up, y'all? It's me, it's me, it's ABC coming at you live on Blog Talk Radio from my studio here in lovely Kent, Washington. Welcome to the ABC podcast where I take modern dating and I disembowel it for your entertainment. It looks like everything's going to work on Blog Talk Radio today. So my calling number, should you choose to call in, is area code 563-999-3596. Area code 563-999-3596. Call in with your questions, comments, concerns. If you want advice, if you have a question about something you're going through, call me up. We'll work through it. I can. We'll we'll talk it. We'll talk it through, and we'll see. If not, sit back and just enjoy it. Enjoy the show. I'm going to today's show. I'm going to be reading from Reddit because Reddit's always fun to read from, especially when people are asking for relationship advice. I mean, I don't think you. I don't think the normal people ask for relationship advice on Reddit, but you know it is what it is. So again, it's a, it's if you want to get if you want to get down to where Joe every day is, go to Reddit, right? Because honestly, these blog writers and stuff, they sit where they sit and they try to dictate to you what they what they think you should know. And if you want to get down to the everyday guy, go to Reddit. That's just what I think. So that's what we're gonna do today. You know, you know, every Wednesday, I do this. I do this thing where I read from from different corners of the internet and i like to critique and criticize their you know what's going on um so that's it that's what we're going to do today but first if you were here for my one o'clock thing and i hear my dog making a whole lot of noise if you're here for my one o'clock thing then you heard me shout out somebody special and i just had to like a a really cool conversation with her after not talking to her for some uh, for some years so that's pretty much what i spent the time between doing she's a great person um so don i just know that again just like i said in my little preview there uh, just know that i have a high degree of respect for you and as a second little surprise well that's a surprise for you guys what i've managed to arrange and I'm going to push, I was going to do a show for, um, I was going to do a show about the, the stupidity of dating apps. That was going to be tomorrow. What I'm going to do is I'm going to push that back into, until one o'clock on Friday, one o'clock Pacific time on Friday. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Don as kind of a co-host. I'm going to have Dawn as a co-host and you're going to get to know her and we're just going to have like, we're going to have a little conversation here for, for about an hour, half hour, 45, however long she can do. It's going to be a kind of a long form interview format. So you're going to get to know her and you're going to get to find out, we're going to get around to finding out exactly why I hold so much respect for her. So she lives, she lives over in the UK. And she has a lot to say about how things are going over there. And it goes along the line with what I've been saying about what's been going on here. Because what's been going on in America is the same thing that's been going on in the United Kingdom. So let me bring this a little closer because I probably sound like I'm it's a very distant thing. So I know my, my boom is all metal. So it's like an aluminum thing. So anytime I move it, you can hear it. You can hear the reverbs. But... So just as a nice little surprise, this as a nice little gift to my listeners, I'm going to do that because again, you really need to really need to hear this because she's again, she is one of those minds that 
there's no real way I can describe it. That's she. I put her up there with my respect for Thomas Sowell. That's that's just how it is. So again, that's going to be a, a nice little special thing that I'm going to that I've been able to set up for tomorrow's podcast. So I'm really looking forward to that. I really am. So that's that. For today's show, I again I've gone to Reddit and oh look, Ask UK. I'm on R slash Ask UK. Um, and this post here is what is your number one golden bit of relationship advice you wish you knew uh, you wish you knew sooner. I'll go first, and this was posted by U slash Gavo U slash Gavo eighty eight. Let's see, and he says I'll go first. It took me a while to learn this, but with my current partner, it came quickly as they're quite open with me. When your partner is moaning, venting, complaining about their job, colleague, family, or something in their life, they do not want you to fix it. My go-to response was, well, what can I do? What can I say to make it better? What advice can I give? What would I do? No. A lot of the time, your significant other just wants to vent, express, and unload on someone they trust. That's it. They don't need... You don't need to do anything, just listen. This can often be way more helpful than your quote-unquote solutions. And honestly, here's what I say about that. People say that it, that, it, that it's pretty much unidirectional where men need to understand that about women. But what women need to understand is that sometimes when men feel like, when we men, and you're, if, you, if you're a woman, you have a boyfriend out there, and he, here's the thing about us men. We'll hold something in, we'll hold something in because we're trying to find a solution for it ourselves, right? But sometimes some things are just so overwhelmingly frustrating to us that we have to just, we have to talk ourselves through it, right? Again, we're not looking for your solutions. We're not looking for you to say, well, why don't you just, because women are good at that. They're saying, well, why don't you just know? That's not what we want. We're just venting right now. We'll find our solutions. It's fine. Because usually when we find our solutions, it's because we think about it, we find the most logical path to the conclusion of it. And listen from listen out from my show, conflict resolution, right? Because that's going to be in there too. That's going to be after New Year's. But honestly, sometimes we just need to talk ourselves through it. And again, that's not for you women. It's not for you to try to solve it's not for you to internalize because that's another big thing that goes wrong with you guys that goes wrong with women is they internalize a lot of things and sometimes we'll say something not even meaning without you're the farthest thing from our minds when we're trying to talk ourselves but you hear this no context whatsoever and then you internalize it as if we're talking about you and then now you're upset you're in your feels and now you're trying to start, you're trying to create some drama over something that didn't involve you to begin with, all right? So again, step back out of that. The biggest way to avoid that drama is to step back out of that, let him vent, and then let him find his solutions. A lot of women, you, you go wrong with that, and it leads to a lot of conflict and the demise of a lot of relationships. So it's a good, it's a good, I mean, a standard advice for, for men to not try to solve a woman's problems, but it's equally, but it's equally as important that women, when, when your boyfriend or your significant other 
events like this that you not internalize it, you not get in your feels about it, you not try to solve him or trying to emasculate him for what he's trying to do. That's another thing. Women try to emasculate their men for even trying to feel, which, which, let me go off on this tangent because I, this is the start of the show. It blows my mind when women talk about how they want somebody who's emotionally intelligent and understands his feelings and a good communicator and can talk through this stuff and all these, all these qualities that are traditionally known as feminine. Yet when they get these guys, they want to emasculate them because they're too sensitive. And I don't get that. I, this is literally what you're asking for. And then when God drops it in your lap, now he's too sensitive. So again, do not try to emasculate him because you think he's being too soft or too sensitive. Let him work through his stuff. And then he'll find a he'll find a solution. Not everything revolves around you. So again, just keep that piece, just keep that little piece of just keep that little nugget in the back of your brain. And you'll do well. All right. Because remember, yes, we're men. Yes, we have feelings. Yes, we have emotions. No, we don't always express them. But yes, when we express them, it's because we're trying to find a way through what's making us so frustrated that we have to express them. So Again, that's not for you to go around internalizing or trying to emasculate us or whatever, just because we have those moments. Because when you try to, when you do that and then he blows up at you, then all of a sudden he's the bad guy and you want him to apologize when the problem was you all along. So there, there was that. Let's see, what else is on this, what else is on this post? Um, let's see, we have a, oh, that's the rules of the thing. Let's see. Uh, Wi-Fi says relationships are work. They require mutual trust and respect. We can work through the hard times. If someone doesn't love you, you can't make them stay. Okay, it's kind of disjointed, but let me bring this into some sort of rational thought. Um, relationships are work. Here's the thing. I said in the previous show that the problem with a lot of modern women is that they want to get married. They don't want to be married, right? There's a problem with a lot of modern women. And I said that marriage isn't the end. The credits don't roll when the when the wedding bells after the reception. After the wedding reception, the, that's not when the credits roll. In fact, I use the analogy of the video games that I used to play. Whereas in the older with the older consoles, once you beat the boss level, that's it. The credits roll, the game resets, you go back to your start screen and you start a new game. That was the old consoles. The new consoles, usually after you beat the boss, the game continues, right? And this is the way a lot of this is the way marriage is. When you get married, it's not the credits roll and that's it. There's a whole ass other life afterward. And if that's the part that's a lot of work. And that's what a lot of modern women don't understand is the amount of work it takes to be married. It doesn't take a whole lot of work to get married. It's just planning. This is planning, getting the guests together, and just doing the ceremony. That's the easy part. The hard part is being married. And that's where, that's where, as the mobsters used to say, you make your bones. That's where you make your bones, being married. All right. So, again, they, it's a whole lot of work. And it's a whole lot of work that a lot of modern women, especially the ones who are easily or handed things or are used to having things come easy in their life, they think that marriage is also going to come easy in their life, and it doesn't. And a shock to them, the culture shock for them, is the, just the sheer amount of work it takes for a marriage to get to stay going. 
You're talking, especially if you have kids, because now you're talking about having the kids. You're talking about raising the kids. What values you will instill in your kids? Then there's a schedule for the kids. And God forbid it's a C-section and and the woman has to stay in bed for six weeks while she recovers. And then the guy has to, guy has to pick up those duties until, until his wife recovers from that. Trust me. I'm, I'm very familiar with that. Both my kids were C-sections. So I know, I know personally, I know that intimately. It's a lot of work and you have to be ready for just the vast amount of work it takes. And again, it's where you make your bones. So if you can make a marriage work, that's making a marriage work is probably the most work out of anything. You can take whatever you can take the top 100 hardest jobs in the world. And I'm talking like mining, oil rigging. Um, what's it called? Up high, those electricians that work way up high with those, you can take those. Um, you take city plumber, whatever the case is, you can take some of the hardest jobs in the world. Still doesn't compare to making a marriage work. It just doesn't because there's just a lot of day to day and there are, there are no days off. You can't say, well, I'm off for the weekend. I'll see you Monday. No, there is none of that. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're hitting the grindstone and that's, that's just what it is. And again, there's just a whole lot of support and Men, we're used to it because we do those, we do hard jobs anyway, most of the time, thanklessly. So we're used to just doing and doing and doing and grinding it out. And we've become accustomed to just doing it without accolades. That's just how it is. Women, when you marry these men, these hardworking men who work hard at both on their job and work hard to make the relationship work, it won't hurt, it won't kill you to recognize his efforts every now and then. That's part of what you can do besides making the house and raising the kids and all of that. Or even if you don't, or even if you decide to pursue your career, which again, go back to my, one of my earlier shows about your career track versus family track and never the two shall meet. But if you decide to even further pursue your career, then again, recognize, recognize his efforts because a lot of times you get noticed for the things that you do on the job. It's it. It just is more, more women get recognized for the things they do on the job than men do. And there's reasons for that that I'm not going to get into in this show, but it just, it's nice to know that our efforts are being appreciated. Again, if there's any doubt about that or any questions about that, go back to, what was it, yesterday's show about rejection and I explain it in depth then. So that's that. Um, let's see. Love doesn't sit there like a stone. It has to be made like bread, remade all the time, made new. I guess that's a quote by Ursula Lee Gwynn. Um, that's actually, it's actually a good point. Love does, love has to be cultivated like plants. Um, it's just, you're just, love just isn't there just to be. Love happens because there was a spark, but that spark, that spark, it's not attended, it will die. How do you make a fire, right? Because this, again, this is, an, this is an analogy that I learned way back when, and it, it absolutely made sense. When you make a fire with flint, I don't know how many of you guys have done that, but you just don't hit some flint and make fire. That's not, that's not how it, that's not how it works. You know, you gather, of course you gather your kindling, but you have to shave off some of that flint because you're going to need, you're not just going to need a spark, you're going to need heat. So you shave off some of that flint, 
then you hit the sparks, and then when the sparks when the sparks ignite the ten the candling and the the shavings of the flint keep the heat, then you have to tend that fire and you have to keep that fire going, otherwise that fire is gonna go out. And love is the same way. And again, it's it's kind of a foreign concept to a lot of modern women who are used to having things coming to them easily. Think of dating apps, right? Dating apps is dating apps is what I call dating for women is what I call dating on easy mode because everything just comes to them. We're living in a time of Uber, Uber Eats, where you can just order food to have it come to you. Amazon, where you can just order something and have it come to you. Everything comes easily nowadays. And people expect the same thing now with marriage. And marriage isn't that. Marriage is still the most work you're going to do. So again, the love just doesn't sit there and it's not going to come on easy mode. And that's the biggest that's the biggest shock to the system for most modern women. But again, once you understand how the vast amount of work it takes for any relationship to work, not just not just being married or whatever, but even dating if you're if you're dating somebody you're really into, it's gonna take a lot of work to keep the interest. You're not just gonna sit there and expect him again, this is where I excoriate a lot of women on these on these uh, dating sites with their profiles because they don't either they don't fill out a whole lot in their profile or they just do the mit they do the minimum or they list all of these requirements and they then expect people to come and find them. And they say, well, if, you know, if you're interested, message me. Well, why aren't you messaging people that you're interested in? You're sitting back, you're sitting back, playing center field, waiting for the ball to come to you, where ground balls are going and the shortstop's getting it, the second baseman's getting it, um, the left fielder's going out for his ball, but you're sitting back waiting for the ball to come to you. Will the ball come to you? Probably not. Why? Because everybody else is going to get the ball. So, again. Stop expecting everything to just drop in your lap and you have to go out and you have to actually put in some work. And it's funny because the these same women who don't put in work to try to find the things that make them happy are the same ones that say, I'm a strong and independent woman that goes out and gets what I want. Well, evidently not. So that's that. Um, let's see, how do you lose a woman? You forget to cherish her? Yes and no. Cherishing, cherishing a woman, cherishing women is something that's gone back eons, right? And I made this show, I recorded this show about De Beers. So go back to the show that I made, that I recorded about De Beers, and you'll you'll see how I feel about cherishing women. Yeah, it's kind, it's good thing to cherish your woman because you're, you got with your woman for a reason. And again, I made the comment in another show that there was one time, there was a point in your time, and it was about losing that loving feeling. And I said, women, there was a time in early in this relationship, probably about the time that he asked you to marry him, that he looked at you as if nothing else in this world can touch you. And now he doesn't anymore. And you have to go about getting him back to the point where he sees you again, like there's nobody else in the world that can touch you. However, because of your because of your folly after folly after folly after folly. He doesn't look at you that way anymore because you fell from grace. And that's, again, it's, a lot of that is your fault because you've, and again, it wasn't, the, it wasn't a thing where you, where you did one thing that just flipped the relationship. It's usually a death by a thousand cuts. It's usually you say something that you said, you said you're going to do something. 
and you don't do it. That's the biggest thing. When you don't follow through on something that you said you were going to do. And again, it's not just one time where you where you went back on something you said and then he hates you for it now. Usually he forgives you. But if it's a pattern where you say you're going to do something and consistently you don't do it for whatever reason, you get busy, you get you get busy, you get um this whatever the case, something comes up or you go out with your friends or you decide to go out with your friends, whatever the case may be, right? Because I there was one time I'll point the personal privilege, there was one time where I needed some books to be returned. So when my, my ex were together, I needed some books to be returned. And it was the last day and I said, hey, can you return these? I got to go to work. Can you return these books for me? Because today's the last day. If I don't get it back today, they're going to charge me for it. She said, okay, I'll do it. I got it, right? I come back I come back home from work. It was, it was about a good six o'clock. I came back from work and the books were still on the thing. So when she comes back home, because I came home, I arrived home before she did. When she came back home, I said, why are these books still on the counter? I, I asked you kindly if you could return these. You said yes. And she said, well, she said because my father needed something or whatever. So she went down and she didn't take the books. And that's a perfect under, that's a perfect illustration of what I'm talking about. It doesn't have to be, it, it, it's, a, it's just all of the little things that add up. And then when he sees that you're not consistent. You're not honest. You're not this. You're not that. He's not going to see you as he saw you in the beginning of the relationship. Like nothing can touch you. Now he understands that the, this armor has chink, chips and cracks and all kinds of stuff. I almost said a word I shouldn't say, but it, it, um, it has chips and cracks and all kinds of stuff in it. And it just changes the way he sees you. Now, can you get that back? Yes, but it's going to take a tremendous amount of work, work that you should have been doing to begin with. When all it took was just a bit of honesty up front on your end, which you thought, well, because you have, you decided to do this and this, and this was more important because it affected you directly that even though you said you were going to do it, you can get away with not doing it. And that's, that's just not how that goes. So that's that. You see, Ken Britton says, and once you lose trust, there's a high probability that you'll never regain that trust. Or if you lost trust, be able to trust the other person fully again. And loving someone does not equal trusting. Yes, that is true to a point. I honestly believe that you can get somebody to trust you again. Again, a lot of a lot of work. And again, a lot of conflict resolution. And again, it takes a lot of going back to remembering why it was you fell in love to begin with. A lot of people don't want to revisit that for whatever reason. I don't understand it. I thought remembering why you fell in love to begin with was a good thing, but a lot of people don't like to revisit it. I don't know why, but you can, you, I, I believe that if you, if it gets to some, a point where you can't trust somebody, it's for two reasons. Number one, you thought you trusted them, but you really didn't. And when they did something, it played to a subconscious confirmation bias. Like you already had a bias going in. It was a it was an implicit bias going in. This is one of the only times I'll ever use that word unironically. You have an implicit bias going into the relationship, but you try to hide it. And you try to say, I trust him, even though in the back of your head there was this implicit bias. And then when they did something, then all of a sudden it confirmed that bias. And now you have confirmation bias. And now you say, Well, I can't trust him anymore when you already had that you had that implicit bias and you didn't trust him to begin with. That's number one. But number two, 
maybe you did trust him. You did have that implicit bias going in and you did trust him. And over the course, it was, again, a death by a thousand cuts to where you figure out that you couldn't, um, you couldn't trust him anymore. Well, at that point, my question is, why is it now that you don't trust him? Because, again, you had a problem. You, never, you had a chance during that phase of a thousand cuts. You had a chance to address that and nip that in the bud. And if it didn't change, then you then you would have had to look at other solutions. But you didn't. And a thousand cuts later, now you don't trust him. And it doesn't make sense. Either you're going to trust him or you're just not. If it gets to a thousand cuts phase, it just makes more sense to address the issue and then work it out. Because if you do decide that you can't trust him and you do decide to leave, then the question comes up, well, why didn't you do that earlier? And that plays into a lot of, it plays into a lot of what I say about staying married for 10, 12, 15 years and then wanting to divorce him and getting back out on the dating market and there's nothing for you when you could have done that earlier and escaped escaped the situation with at least some of your sexual market value intact. So that's that's legit a thing. It's not just for the insults, it's true. Let's see. Uh Bohoka Bohocat Zero says, nobody comes perfect as they are. The best you can do is be two people who love each other enough to work on yourselves and the relationship. Nobody's a perfect fitting puzzle piece. In a lot of cases, that's true. A lot of cases, you're with who you're with. And you're with who you're with just because they're there, they're kind, and you click. And then there's this chemistry. There's chemistry, there's a spark. There are... I don't believe that, again, I don't believe in the concept of a soulmate or anything like that. I already explained why. But, again, you're with somebody because there's something there that you just absolutely adore about them. And then the adoration turns to love. That love turns to commitment. And that person may not be, may not be everything that you wanted, but that person is what you want. So, again, they may not fit perfectly, but then again... It's up to you as individuals to understand why it is you're together to begin with and use that as a stepping point of the stepping stone of everything, of all of your interactions. And when you do that, you're fine. But what happens is a lot of times something will happen and they'll step off that stepping stone in, in a confrontational moment, but they won't get back on it. And so once that confrontation happens and that conflict that conflict arises, and you don't have those conflict resolution skills, then that's again the demise of a lot of relationships. So that's how that that's how that happens. Incorrect commission says, if they do something that isn't to your preference, don't make a major deal about it. Just fix it yourself. Examples being like loading the dishwasher a different way or not putting house keys away in the right place. Too many relationships ruined by people just constantly making a big deal out of the smallest, most mundane. Issues. Okay. Um, OCD notwithstanding, because again, OCD is a special circumstance. So you got to kind of make, you got to kind of make a concession for that. However, that's the exception and not the rule. The general rule is that a lot of people make a big deal out of these little things. But again, it's a death. It's a death by a thousand cuts. 
it is, well, you said you're going to do this and you didn't, and you said you were going to be here and you weren't there. And a lot of people do the whole filing away thing. And then when these things come up, like, oh, look, they didn't put the dishes back where they belong. Oh, look, they came in and they, they dropped their socks on the floor. Oh, look, the laundry's been sitting here for three days and nobody's washed it. The little things, you turn, you tend to take those little things and make them into big things when it doesn't really even need to be that way. All the situations could have been addressed during the death by a thousand cuts phase. That's one thing. The other thing is that if you're making a big deal out of that, you have to look in within yourself and figure out why you're making such a big deal out of those things. Is it because you're in the middle of a death by a thousand cuts phase and that you need to address something that's constantly cropping up within the relationship that you need to squash that and get to a mutual understanding of why this thing is happening? Because again, if it's something like that, like what incorrect commission is talking about, yes, that happens. Yes, there's a reason why it happens and you need to get down to the reason why it happens. If it takes marriage counseling, it takes marriage counseling. If it takes a bit of introspection, it takes a bit of introspection. But during that death by a thousand cuts phase, if you don't address that, then these other things will just be that much more amplified. It's kind of like your car, right? And again, I kind of bring everything back to cars because I love cars. I love working on cars. I just love cars in general. And if you don't take care of your car, let's say you don't change your oil regularly, right? Then things start, your oil loses its viscosity. Your oil loses its viscosity. And the engine parts tend to grind, especially the crankshaft where the most of that. The crankshaft dips down into your oil pan because your crankshaft has to constantly be looped. Well, if you don't change your oil, regularly and this and your oil loses viscosity and the crankshaft starts grinding against each other then that causes other problems for the engine and so again when these other when the other problems go on with the engine like the lifters aren't the lifters aren't doing its thing or the valves are starting to click or the gears are starting starting to hear the gears squeak it's not because it, those problems are problems in and of themselves, yes, but there's an underlying issue of the fact that you never that you never did your proper maintenance and changing your oil. Just that would have staved off a lot of that, right? So that's the thing. The underlying issues have to be taken care of before you start focusing, before the bigger issues start popping up and you start focusing on those more. Let's see. Um, what does Arctic Amo, Arctic Amoeba says? Or if you're content with how they do it instead of trying to get them to do it your way, do it yourself or accept that there are other there are others that can be done. And that's a good point. If you don't like the way they do it, do it yourself. I mean, what's what's the problem there, right? Instead of just writing somebody's behind, um, let them they do it and then you do it yourself. And then make sure they recognize it. Or if you Again, like yesterday's show, if you if you don't do it and they do it for you, make sure you get them their proper props. Hey, my daughter's in the studio. Hi, say hi. No, thank you. <laughs> okay, what's up? Um, so do you have to let me for the computer? Because mom said she'd just take me. To oh, school. it's on my cash app. It's on your cash app. Yeah. I have cash app. Go send it to me. Yeah, I'll just send it to you. Okay. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You need anything? No, 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 no. Okay. You're good. Have That's gonna be it. Yeah. Oh, you're you're you know you're on live, you're on live right now, right? Mm -hmm. For the whole world. That's fine. 
Okay. If I want to be a Twitch streamer, it's going to... Yeah, you're going to have to get used to it. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, we're off. Bye. 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 So, there's that. Sorry. My daughter. We love her. We got her. Um, here's the thing. We're going to get her computer. Um, and then me and me, my mom, and my dad are all going in on this. And so... Yeah, so that's where that came. That's where that conversation came from. So I got to send her the money from the cash app, and I got to send her the money out of my bank account. She can go and get her computer. So that's that. Um, let's see. Well, we have a disagreeer. Uh, R. Bandom says, R. S. Bandom says, I disagree. Though I do think if, if you're scared of your partner's reaction, oh, he's, he's responding to another one. And he says, it's taken many long years to get my husband to understand the important things. This is from Comic Space Home. And it says, it's taken many long years to get my husband to understand that the, that the important thing is the outcome rather than performing the action. If you hoover the carpet, but there are still crumbs all over it, you have not, in fact, finished the task, and it's not yet time for tea and a hobnob. And it's a good, that's actually, it's kind of a good point. Um, the outcome, yes. The outcome is important. but. I think the fact that he actually put the effort in, see, this is, this is, and this is a lot of things, this is a lot of times, and I can understand um, our band of disagreement here, is because a lot of times too much emphasis is placed on the outcome and not on the action. And my sister always used to say, my oldest sister used to say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And that was kind of her cynical way of dismissing the fact that people actually put in effort to do things, even though it doesn't come out real well. And then she'll say, well, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But honestly, though, if somebody's actually putting in the effort to try to do something that's like out of their gourd, then what's the problem with that? Even though it doesn't come out, even though it doesn't come out to spec, like I, I set the example of the woman who said she was going to do dinner went out to go do something else. Her husband went and picked up dinner, right? Now, I said to her that the husband did it, did it almost to perfection, and the Joneses and the Smiths sat down. They had a wonderful dinner party anyway because her husband saved the day. But what if the husband came in and he, and he fell a little bit short? Are you going to say, are you going to dismiss his effort just because he came up short? I think, you know, it's... I can understand where where they're coming, where Comics Space Hall is coming from with that. However, placing too much emphasis on the result and not the action is it's 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 a misstep to me because the action counts. He didn't have to do it, but he did. No matter what the result was, he didn't have to do it to begin with. And the fact that he did it and didn't have to to begin with says more about it than the fact that he came up short. Let's see, because Ars Banner says, I disagree, though. I think that if you're scared of your partner's reaction, then you're probably the wrong partner. Exactly. I've been in situations where even cutting vegetables wrong would lead to, at best, a lecture on doing it right. At worst, a full-blown shouting episode. This is this is also a thing. And I've, I've got emails about this, too. Um, a lecture on doing, at worst, a full-blown shouting episode. To the point where I would ask many questions about exactly how they would want me to do things when they asked. Of course, when they would get frustrated about all the questions over such a simple request, when I asked, 
Um, of course, then they would get frustrated about all the questions over such a simple request. When I explained why I was told to just do it, nope, people shouldn't be scared of their partner. Yeah, it's not being scared of partner. It's being scared of partner's reaction. There's a difference, right? One can they can go hand in hand depending on the personality type. But seriously, though, some people can be nice people. They just have awful reactions to things. This is no different when you when you when you berate somebody for making earnest effort because it didn't come out the way you say. You have to request. You have to. You have to look inward on yourself and ask yourself if you're the if you're the right partner for this person. Because if you're overreacting to the fact that it didn't come out your way and dismiss the fact that they put in the effort anyway, like even I'm guilty of this when I, you know, back when, back when I was married, um, I, I think as I woke up on the wrong side of bed anyway, it was, and it's not an excuse. I shouldn't have reacted the way I reacted anyway, regardless of the mood that I was in when I woke up. But, um, my ex, when we were still together, she made the effort to wash my car and I did not, I was not seeing any of it. Um, I was just, I was upset because I erroneously ascribed to her that she only, she was doing it only for recognition among my, my roommates and stuff. And I said, that's the only reason why she is doing it. And where I went wrong was not was not appreciating the effort that she actually put into doing it. I just saw I just saw what I thought was a motivation on her part. Whether it was real or not, I don't think it was even real. Now looking back on it. The motivation I ascribed to her wasn't even a, a real thing. But it's just one of the things that I had to look inward and and say that I was wrong for that. And I had to I had to own up to that, the fact that I was wrong for that. And that I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have went straight to the end and skipped over all the effort that she put in because she didn't, again, she didn't have to do it and she did it. And I overstepped that and I just went straight to an ending that I falsely ascribed to her. And that was a, that was just, that was a, am I the asshole? That was, that was a moment. That was an, am I the asshole moment on my part? So again. When you talk about doing that, you have to recognize that if you're doing that, if you're if you're criticizing the result and not the fact that they put in the effort to do it anyway, then that's a point of learning for you. And again, it's men and women that men and women I'm talking to with that point. If you're looking at the result and not the effort that they put in to do it, even though they didn't have to do it, then that's a point of personal reflection. I'm just gonna say it that way. How much time do I have? Okay, cool. Um, let's see. What else can I? There's a bunch of reactions. Here's one. Uh, Key Key Laxworth says, "Man, I wish I can get my wife to understand. For years, I did things the way she wanted, the way she wanted, hoping that it would stop her from complaining again. Instead, she just complains even more, and still about the same thing. Again, there's that. I found." that a lot of times when that happens, the failure to make her happy, it's because there's something there, something that, something else is there that she's holding on to. And she's just using that as the culture. She's using the fact that you don't do this right, you don't do this right, you don't do this right. She's using that as a cudgel. And you need to get to the, get the root of where that is coming from. 
because she's holding she's holding on to something and she needs to learn to let whatever it is she, whatever that is she needs to learn to let that go and so she needs to get into a space maybe therapy or marital counseling or something but she needs to get into a space where she can revisit that do some introspection and then learn to let that go because a lot of failure to please situations spring up from something that happens early on in the relationship, maybe some kind of unmet expectation that happens early on in the relationship. And when, when it manifests itself into a failure to please situation later on down the road, then when you talk about making men feel hopeless and that there's really no way to recover a relationship and then you lose a good man, women, that's how you lose a good man that right there okay so if you don't want to lose a good man then again a little bit of introspection isn't a bad thing it really isn't um man it runs in men but not as deeply men are more prone to talking to you about what the problem is now again i get it there are a lot of men that just hold it in and then they're holding they're holding and then they just explode and all comes out i got that but most of the time that part can be saved off with just some good old-fashioned communication and you can't be scared of the conversation. You can't be scared of visiting an uncomfortable place. Now, if you need a mediator to do it, you need a mediator to do it. And I'm talking about a marriage counselor. I'm not talking about anybody online. I'm not talking about your friends. I'm not talking about your family because, again, they have their they have their agenda, and they have their they have their purposes, and it is not neutrality. It is not. So, just keep that in mind. Go to a therapist because they are literally paid to be neutral. That's their entire job. That's their entire living that they make is to be neutral, a neutral party. So there you go. Let's see. Gorgi DD says, I love you, but I don't need you in every aspect of it. Don't become dependent on the other person. For general happiness and fulfillment. And a major one, financially, is incredibly selfish to put your own happiness into somebody else's hands. We should be content individuals on our own before we can be content and happy together. It's selfish putting the responsibility of our own happiness on the other person. Bonus tip. Don't do everything together. Have some time apart. Have separate hobbies. It will make you miss each other and have some things to share when you're together. That is good points and bad points. And I'll tell you. Saying I love you but you don't, but don't need you. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Love comes with a certain sense of dependency, all right? When you love somebody, you love somebody, you need them. You just do. So don't say, I don't, because you say, I love you, but I don't need you. Then why are you in this relationship if you don't need me? If you don't need anybody, be on your own. Don't even, don't even bother with cats. Don't even bother with, just be on your own. If you don't need, if you don't need anybody. But if you don't need me, then don't be with me. That's just it. If I am so disposable to you, if I am, and that's the proper word to use. If I'm so disposable to you that you feel like you don't need me, then there's really no reason for us to be together if I'm disposable. Because what's going to happen is something's going to go wrong and you're just going to leave. And then where would that put Where does that put me? Right? Especially with, especially if I have come out of my shell and catch feelings for you. And I think, uh, and again, at one point in time and early in the relationship, I looked at you as if, I look at you as if there's nothing on this planet that can touch you, but you look at me as in, as um, dispensable. So where is the equality? Where is it? 
Um, let's see, don't become dependent on the other person. You can, it just has to be mutually worked out. This is where a lot of traditional relationships come in, where the man is a breadwinner and a woman takes care of the house. It's a mutual dependency. A man depends on that woman to keep that house in order, especially with kids and stuff. Very important, very important job. The dinner needs to be, everybody needs to eat. Everybody needs that shelter. Everybody needs that clothes. Just the hierarchy of needs, the psychological hierarchy of needs have to be taken care of. The man fulfills his part by going out to work and providing the money for this, for all of this stuff to get taken care of. It's all, it's up to the wife to take care of all this stuff to make sure the family is, to make sure the family is good. So there's a mutual dependency there. So say don't become dependent on the other person. You literally have to. Right, you you do, especially in traditional relationships, even in non-traditional relationships, because there's if you don't depend on each other for support, you'll never get through the hard days. You just won't. Let's see, general happiness and fulfillment. You don't that point I do kind of agree with. Don't depend on another person just for general happiness, because general happiness comes from doing what you love to do. And if if raising a family and taking care of a family is what you love to do, you'll draw your happiness from that. If it's art, you'll draw your happiness from that. If it's exercise, you'll draw your happiness from that, right? Um, and about putting, making other people responsible for your general happiness, it only becomes selfish if you use it as a cudgel. So let's say, um, and I have, I have a few minutes, but let's say that something happens like you for whatever length of time you say that well this person i love this person so much this person is my everything and i won't be happy without them then i can understand them saying because them saying that because as soon as the thing jumps off you want to use that as well you know i i put everything into you and this is what you do to me and i put and my life revolved around you and this is what you do to me and it's like what did I do? First of all, I didn't ask you to do all of this, and now you're trying to use this as a as a cudgel against me, as if I demanded of you to make me your everything when I never did anything of the like. So, again, it, it's it's a problem when it becomes when you try to use it as a weapon to try to manipulate feelings. That's where it becomes selfish. And don't do everything together. Yeah, don't do every. You don't have to do everything together. Have your own. If you don't have your own hobbies and you find that your your whole world is wrapped up in this other person, then you have to step back. It's time for you to step back and reevaluate the trajectory of your life. And then you have to go out and get some hobbies on your own because it just breaks bad when it just breaks bad when you you put everything else into this person, everything you are into this other person. Because humans are fundamentally flawed; they just are. Um, let's see. L appointment sixty four ninety four says when you when you're out with friends and family you are a united front. Don't kick your partner under the bus. Have their back. If you're going to disagree, do it when you get home. I'm big on this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna end on this particular note. I'm big on this one. This is why I recorded the show about what's the rejection show it was the rejection show or the show before, and I said look yeah yeah it was a rejection show and I did it as a butt first. And I said, ladies, when you, because this is, this runs more in ladies than men. It does, it does run in certain men, but it runs more in women. And I said, when you have your conflict, leave that offline. 
And this is exactly what he's talking about right here. When you're, well, he says when you're out with friends and family, but you can easily apply it. You can just as easily apply it as online, because when conflict jumps off, you women love to talk, 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 talk. And I get it. I understand why, because you're looking for this for the uh, support and the reassurance. So you're going to get it from wherever you're going to get it from. So you're going to throw the you're going to cast the lines out into the water. Okay, got it. However, you have to realize that in the point at the point where you do this and you think this is okay, at the point where you think this is okay, other people are looking at this, they're reading this, and they're only getting one side of the story. They're getting your side. You're not even getting his side because you don't care about his side because you're in the middle of a conflict. So they're only getting one side of the story. So enter now the people who are soaking up your narrative, are taking your side without any context whatsoever. And then they're looking at your they're looking at your significant other like they're the bad like they're the bad guy, like this has always been going on, and that you're just they're just the the supreme bungle that you just don't need to be with. Here's where that really breaks bad. When the conflict is resolved, it's not like you go back and tell your friends, your family, those people online, that the conflict is resolved. You don't do that. So these people are now living their lives with this image of your significant other in their head that is not even true. But it's the image they have in their head. So now when the significant other gets around them and they don't like them and your significant other, other is wondering, why the hell don't they like me? Like, what the hell's going on? I didn't do anything to you. But it was because of what you were telling your friends about your significant other and didn't e don't even have the decency to go back and say, you know what, we worked everything out. He's really not such a bad guy. All this other stuff. When all of this could have been avoided and you not air your laundry out, to people who don't need to know the business. They just don't. So keep that keep that out of people's ears that don't need to hear it. Like friends, like family. If you're gonna do that, if you need to air if you need to if if it gets so bad that you need to air that out to somebody, call a marriage counselor because again they're paid to be neutral and they're paid to keep the silence. Your friends or your family aren't paid to keep the silence. So they're going to they're going to talk and with other people and other people, you know, and the rumor mill is going to start spinning real fast and it's going to break bad. Your relationship's going to break bad, especially down the line. If you're not married and you feel like you want to marry this person is really going to break bad come the come time of the wedding. So just do a little bit of do a little bit of foresight here. Have a little bit of foresight to understand that what you do now can have grave implications on the future. And when you do that, when you air your laundry out to people who don't need to hear it, it's going to have grave implications on the future. So there it is. Um, well, I guess I could do some more. It's, it, I've got a few minutes left. Um, see, good communication solves a lot of problems. And this is Sunflower, Sunflower Dream 85. Says good communication solves a lot of problems and giving silent treatment is toxic. The ones, uh, the only times we really had any spats is when we have refused to talk about something and just let problems brew. Mostly, yes, some of some of some of it's anonymous. I'm going to tell you why. Good communication, good communication does solve a lot of problems, but what's more important than good communication is timely communication. 
You see, women, and I'll put this on you women because you women, you're y'all guilty of this. You want to talk about something. If there's a conflict, you want to you want to address it right then and there. And sometimes we men, we just don't want to hear it right then and there. And if you push and you push and you push, and then we just explode on you because we're still trying to work through our feelings. And then you're trying, you're sitting there drawing our feelings out of us. And next thing you know, we snap on you like a tiger. And then you're wondering, well, what the hell is wrong with him? It's because you, yeah, you may want the good communication, but timeliness is everything. So in order to avoid that, yes, good communication is good, but timely communication is better. And I would rather have a halfway decent conversation at the right time than have something all mistimed and then we're just exploding on each other. That's just, that's, that's the key to effective communication. It's not good communication, it's timely communication. Because timely communication can become good, but ill-timed communication will never be good no matter how, uh, no matter how you frame any narrative that you try to put out there. So again, good communication, good. Timely communication, better. Let's see, the only time we really had these paths is when we have refused to talk about something. That's the other thing. You Timely communication is timely. That means you just don't let it brew. You, you, the time is going to come when you talk about when you have to talk about it. And if you don't talk about it when that time comes, then it's going to brew, it's going to fester. And next thing you know, it becomes an underlying issue that fuels the death by a thousand cuts. So let's not do this. Let's let's um, get it out. Let's get it out. Let's talk it over, but at the correct time. And maybe that's the next day. Maybe that's two days later. But as long as you do address it when things are calm and you have time to think about it rationally and come to some kind of agreement that no matter what's been said, nobody's going to get butt hurt because all the feelings of the, the, the hurricane of the feelings have passed over. And now that the hurricanes of the feelings have passed over and everything's calm now, maybe two or maybe three days later, then we can address it without stirring up a whole lot of drama. That's part of timely communication. So, again, timely communication can become good. But untimely communication will never become good as long as it'll never become good no matter how you frame a narrative. It just won't. Let's see. Rubricated says, on the flip side, I have found that it's good to take time to cool off if you have an argument. Isn't that what I just talked about? Sometimes the argument disappears in a puff of smoke if you just leave it for an hour or two or maybe a day. I have a personal thing. If I have beef with you, it expires at midnight that night. That's just it. So I don't, I may sleep. I may fall asleep being mad. But that morning when I wake up, I'm not mad at you anymore. And I make a conscious effort not to be mad at you anymore because my beef with you expired at midnight. Now, whether we talked through it before midnight or afterward, I'd rather afterward because I'll calm myself down after I've after I've buried my beef with you and then we can um and then we can talk. So I'd rather the next day. But if we are able to if we are able to settle it, then we're able to settle it. But if not, if I still have eggs towards you, then at midnight that night it expires. On my end it expires. He says, so not every problem has to be addressed and resolved instantly. That's what I just said. And frequently, problems are not really problems if you sap the initial anger, frustration, emotion, irritation, or whatever. 
I always prefer to stop talking if I'm angry about something because escalating anger is very bad. See, lubricated, lubricated nose. And it sounds like he's been through this before and he's learned. That could be interpreted as a silent treatment, but my wife knows why I do it. And again, I will get to the point if you push and push and push. And I, I did this with my ex and I did it actually with my, with my current girlfriend where we, um, we would get into, a, we get, get into an argument. It would get heated and she would say something. And instead of blowing up on her, I would say, you know what? You've lost the right to talk to me for the next 24 hours. And I don't do that to be mean. I've done that to my ex too. You lost the right to talk to me for 24 hours. I don't do that to be mean. I do that to say, I want my beef to expire, my beef with you to expire at midnight so that I can come back and we can revisit this. But do not talk to me until such time. And that's my way of telling you, don't say anything else to me for just for the sake of this, just for the sake of conflict resolution in this relationship. Don't do it. Come back to me tomorrow and then we'll figure it out. But on the on the current course you're going, if I don't if I don't cut off talking to you right now, it's gonna break real bad. And that's my way of restraining that's my way of restraining myself from saying or doing something that I will regret later on. I'll just say, You've lost the right to talk to me for the next twenty four hours and that's usually the signal that okay, I'm done. Please leave the room and let me be until this time tomorrow. And then we're okay. But if you keep going and keep going and you keep going and keep going, eh, you were warned. That's all I got to say. Uh, let's see. Squid Squadge says, never, ever sleep on it. We always make a point of meeting some middle ground with apologies. That needs to be said, be it the manner you spoke or otherwise, neither will sleep. Yes and no. It depends on the person like me. I will sleep on it. I will. I know it's not a lot of people's cup of tea, especially Squid Squadge. I understand it's not their cup of tea either, but me, I'd rather sleep on it than be pushed to saying something that I'm going to regret because I know me and I know that if, if I'm trying to, if I'm trying to detach and they're trying to push and push and push when I'm trying to detach and I get good and ready, I'm going to say something. I may not necessarily do something. I may if I'm, if I'm angry enough which is bad. I mean, that's something that I've worked hard on with myself is not getting so bad, not getting so far in my anger that I'll end up throwing things or hitting something. Like I haven't done that since me and my, me and my brother had that blow up, which I'm proud of. Cause I was like 15 years ago, but I know that if I'm that, if I'm pushed and I'm pushed, then I'll say something that's very hurtful. And I do it maliciously just because I feel like it's something that I have to do. And it's not always right. But again, because when you're, when you're in your feelings like that, you don't do everything. You don't always do the right thing. Got that. But this is where conflict, proper conflict resolution comes in, where you need to learn when to hold them. Like Kenny Rogers says, you need to learn when to hold them, when to fold them. And you need to learn that sometimes, just sometimes, when somebody is not responding to you, it's not necessarily the silent treatment. It's just that, and if they if they want to go to sleep on it, let them sleep on it. Like, it's really not the end of the world unless you don't come back to it. Excuse me, if you don't come back to it later. If you come back to it later, it's fine. But if you don't, 
if you don't come back to it, then it's going to faster and faster become a death by a thousand cuts. But remember, like I always say, good communication is good. Timely communication is better. So if it takes sleeping on it a little bit and then coming back to it at a proper time, well, all of it's boiled over, not boiled over, but all of it's passed over, then fine. Do that. I'd rather you sleep on it and then talk about it at a time at a more calm, more peaceful, more serene time where you can address it than, than try to force the issue before you try to sleep on it. Anyway, that's it for me. Thanks for listening. Um, you can catch me on Blog Talk Radio. Usually, I'm here from 11 to 12. I get it. This is a crazy week for me. This is why I'm doing all these late shows. This is a crazy week for me. Next week after New Year's, we're back to the same the same normal thing. Tomorrow, again, I'm going to have my good friend Don as a co-host, and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, oh, wow. I wonder how long I haven't been connected. Uh, oh, for the last hour. Okay, cool, cool. Um, that's fine. I will upload this. I will upload this audio posthumously to... I'll upload this audio posthumously to what's it called? To Blog Talk Radio. That's fine. I just want the information out there. Um, but tomorrow, I'm going to... I'm going to co-host with Don Cardiff and it's going to be a great show because we're going to talk about it's not going to be well i guess we may touch dating but we're going to go back to our anti-feminist mra kind of beginnings our conservative conservative beginnings not going to be overly political it's going to touch a lot of stuff about the relationship between men and women it's going to be a little heavy on that so that's what we're going to do so that's going to be tomorrow. It's going to be a really special show. So tune in for that. It's going to be awesome. Um, again, I'm here for, usually here from 11 to 12. And then I upload it to SoundCloud. And then I'll upload it again to Block Talk Radio. You're always free to call or send me an email. Jesse at jramseyabc.com. That's Jesse, J-E-S-S-I-E at jramseyabc.com. You can email me there. Also catch me on Facebook. I have my three pages on Facebook. Just look for the ABC podcast for Jesse Ramsey, and I'm there. Um, you can follow my page. You can follow my personal profile. You can follow my uh, public page, and you can follow the show's page there, too. And also, whatever social media you're on, look up uh, at J Ramsey ABC. And if I'm there, you can follow me. But the only real things I really post to are True Social and Facebook. And I haven't done much with X, but I might go back just in case. Just because. But that's it. Anyway, I'm out. Um, I just need to make sure because this happened, I need to go out properly. So sorry for the overtime, but this is just something this is just something that happens. And that's it. I'm out. I'm ABC. See you tomorrow. Oh I know what happened here. See, I have to go see with things like this, I have to go to no. Um because audio and the audio device. And because when that happens, then there will be no music. Now, when I adjust that, and I say, I'm ABC, I'm out, then we can play music.
remember, you are the future that you make for yourself. You know, go out and make the world a better place.